The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I'm putting reality shows on my couch and analyzing them and the impact that they have on all of us and on the guests who are fortunate or unfortunate enough to be on them. Um, We're going to start out with Susan Boyle. She is the latest phenomenon in regard to reality shows, um, Britain's Got Talent. And uh, she, I'm (laughs) I'm sure most of you listening know who she is, but do you know why we all got so caught up in it. Um, her YouTube was the most watched YouTube. Uh, the videos of her performances in the sh- on the show were the most watched videos of any video that has been up there, at least according to some accounts on the Internet. Why? Why were we so caught up with her? Even the judges of Britain's Got Talent were incredibly caught up with her. Well, it's because we identified with her. Um, here she was, a nobody, um, plucked out of obscurity in Scotland. She had a very, um, oh, sort of, uh, what, um, I, I don't know, unhappy, a very, I guess, a very unfulfilled life. Uh, first of all, when she was born, she had, um, when she was delivered, she had oxygen cutting off um the supply of of oxygen was cut off to her brain somewhat. And so she had some learning disabilities. And when she was young, some children used to make fun of her at school um, and call her names like Susie Simple. And um, she was the youngest of a large family, and so she became the one who was responsible for taking care of her parents as they um, got older. And she really didn't have much of a life of her own. She never was married. She, she said she was never kissed, and then she sort of retracted that. So, um, <laughs> you know, we don't know what she's calling being kissed, whether they were pecks on the cheek from relatives um, or what. But, you know, I think she may have become embarrassed after she realized she told everyone she'd never been kissed. Um, and she she sang in some competitions, low, very low-level kinds of competitions, things like also karaoke. She sang karaoke in the local uh, pubs and so on. Um, and when her mother died, she made a promise that she would um, do something uh, to, to try to make 
herself more known, make her singing career take off. And, um, and so that is why she took a chance, uh, the chance of her life, actually. I mean, she had never done anything as bold as try out for Britain's Got Talent. And um, so why are we behind her? Why did everyone just become blown away when she started singing? I mean, of course, obviously, it was the um, disconnect between what she looked like and what her voice was because, you know, we all tend to stereotype people and think that only gorgeous or hot (laughs) Looking women or men um, could be stars, singing stars, um, at least on these kinds of reality shows, just like American Idol. Um, so, you know, she came on the stage and everyone's barely contained themselves from booing uh, and thinking, what is this misfit, this ugly duckling, you know, this older uh, compared to the other contestants? Um, dowdy-looking woman doing on this stage. How did she even get this far? And, of course, then she opened her mouth and a beautiful voice came out and everyone was was shocked and realized, you know, a little guiltily that uh, we had judged her, judged a book by its cover and we were wrong. And um, as I said in an earlier show when I was talking to the two Beverly Hills doctors um, about their beauty book, that... Um, that this is the stereotype, and we, we do tend to judge books by their cover. Um, so, and it was wonderful to see the judges' reaction because, uh, you know, they they admitted um, that they. I mean, first Simon, of course, was rolling his eyes as one would expect, and then um, he he just became incre- had this incredibly innocent look come over his face, and. Um, just was was ready to acknowledge that um, he had made a mistake. He had, you know, jumped jumped to a conclusion that wasn't accurate. So we all fell in love with her, and millions of people watched the YouTube versions of her um, performances because we identify with her. We too um, have. Everybody has a dream. I mean, she's she's that. I'll get to that a little later, that the um, interesting part about the songs that she sang, that, that she chose, her first one, uh, was I Dreamed a Dream, and it was so fitting for her. And so all of us uh, dream dreams, big dreams, or, well, <laughs> and, and if you don't, you should, um, about things that, you know, changing our life overnight, being recognized for a talent uh, or an idea or something about us that we feel is special, you know, that was um, not recognized, we remained in obscurity, and then finally the world recognized that, yes, we have something special. And so we were up there on the stage with her, in a sense. We wanted her to succeed um, because if she succeeded, then it means that we could one day possibly be plucked from our lives of quiet desperation and become an overnight star just like she did. But with this overnight star um, event that happened on the first appearance, um, unfortunately came a lot of negativity. And I was particularly it came from some other 
singers, and that was rather, you know, their their claws started showing that they were rather catty and um, started saying things like that she wasn't really that special or um, she didn't really have a great voice, just really catty kinds of things. Or And so, and then the media, of course, um, along with, or, or soon after, talking about what a great sensation she was, then, of course, uh, started nitpicking and finding things to to get ratings, basically, or to get readers for print um, that that weren't so good about her. You know, she was. I mean, that's what happens in general to celebrities. Oftentimes, we build them up and then um, we tear them down because when it seems like their life is too perfect or we've built them up to, into too much of a star, then people tend to get jealous of their fame and of their fortune of, and of this wonderful life that we think that they have, um, which is often more wonderful on the outside than it actually is. But nonetheless, we then oftentimes tear them back down. And so that's what started happening with Susan Boyle, except that, you know, she wasn't really anticipating this rocket uh, trip to stardom from that first appearance. And so the up and down came really, really close together, and it was too much for her, um, which is why she wound up after the third show um, having what was called an anxiety attack or suffering from exhaustion and wound up um, being taken to a psychiatric hospital uh, where she spent about five days. And, and in case you haven't heard yet, she is out now, and she is planning on joining the rest of the uh, top um, winners from Britain's Got Talent on the tour for the month of June. But going back to what took place in between and why did it happen, well, because she was taunted by kids when she was little and because of you know, them making fun of her being uh, having this learning disability, which was not as well understood in Scotland, um, you know, 40 years ago. She's 48, so let's say 40 years ago or so, um, people didn't really understand what a learning disability was as well as they do today. And so it seemed like um, perhaps she was retarded rather than she just had some particular learning disability. I mean, it's clear that she's not retarded or, or um, uh, doesn't have, you know, it's not about her intelligence. It was something about her learning because of this problem that she had at birth. But nonetheless, um, the fact that she was taunted by these children obviously left indelible scars. And when the media and the people on the Internet um, started uh, saying bad things about her after her success, then what happened was that she was brought back to the memories of having been uh, taunted as a child and the pain of having been taunted. And so she reacted in the same way that she undoubtedly reacted as a child. In other words, she regressed. And so, for example, on the third appearance um, where the finals, where she wound up losing to Diversity, a dance group, which, I mean, I... Uh, well, we'll get into why that doesn't seem to have been uh, uh, accurate or fair. But in any case, after that happened, she did congratulate them and said the best people won. But then, according to reports backstage, she had a, a tearful tantrum 
and she started yelling, I hate this show, and she threw a glass of water at a staff member who was trying to calm her down. Now, certainly you can understand why that would happen, because first of all, everyone thought that she was going to win, and indeed she might well have won had they not given out the wrong telephone numbers to call uh, in order to vote for her. And, you know, what, you just have to wonder how these kinds of mistakes could be made. I mean, this show is is making uh, tons of money, and they should certainly have people working on it or with them who are able to be accurate when it comes to giving out the correct telephone numbers. I mean, what else, what could be more important? But, in fact, the wrong numbers were given out, and I don't know why they haven't done anything to correct this problem. I mean, to acknowledge that uh, the voting... Well, I guess the the horse has left the barn, but still, there should have been some acknowledgement that that, of course, contributed to her not winning. Um, We'll get into some other things that might have contributed to that, too, but the bottom line is that it was an incredible letdown after everyone thought, after her first and second performance, that she was going to win, even after the third performance, and then to find out um, soon after that, indeed, she didn't. So that in itself was uh, mind-boggling and would have contributed to whatever the exhaustion, anxiety attack, um, some kind of psychological difficulty that occurred that put her in the Priory Hospital for five days. When we come back, we'll talk more about Susan Boyle and other reality shows and reality contestants and just how dangerous are reality shows. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about reality shows, putting them on the couch, as well as some, as well as some of the latest tragedies to come from these reality shows or uh, near tragedies. Susan Boyle has come out of the psychiatric hospital where she uh, was for about five days and is now in rehearsals to... Um, Sing with the rest of the finalists of Britain's Got Talent um, to go on tour, and hopefully this will she will not have any mishaps, um, any unfortunate situations from now that the pressure of trying to win and thinking that she uh, was going to win since that's what everyone told her. Um, since that pressure is off, perhaps she will be able to just settle down and um, concentrate on singing. But, but really, to say that she isn't still fragile at this point um, would not be fair to her. Um, I think that she does still need to have someone. Um, apparently, the psychiatrist who treated her at the hospital. Um, is supposed to be on call 24 hours, but uh, I would prefer to see a psychiatrist accompany her um, for uh, for on the tour and and perhaps for some major things that occur after that. I mean, she's Simon has um, told her that he wants to record an album with her, um, and, and these are some of the things that uh, that helped her to get well because when she realized that the world wasn't over, that she did still have a dream, <laughs> that she stood, still could fulfill her dream that helped her to get back on her feet. But she is still fragile because of what I was talking about in the earlier segment, her childhood um, that was difficult, and even her uh, cloistered, isolative lifestyle after that. She um, worked or really not, she volunteered uh, for the church. I mean, she really hasn't been... Um, She's been having a very calm, quiet life, really one that where she dedicated herself to taking care of her parents for years. So I think she does need still somebody to help her navigate the waters of fame. Um, the roller coaster ride that led to her meltdown was also due to the pressure to be better at each performance, her family telling her to drop out and record albums immediately after the first performance. Her, some of her, her brothers, at least two of her brothers, uh, were telling her that she should drop out of the TV show and record an album while she was still hot, you know, which seemed to have a, I don't know, I, seemed to be a little um, short-sighted, although I guess the jury is still out and it depends what happens um, with her in the future, but it just seemed like it was trying to capitalize on the money, uh, gra- grab the money immediately rather than rather than continue um, in the contest. And um, I don't know whether she was even able to do that, but in any case, she didn't, and and perhaps she's kicking herself that she didn't, but uh, or will be. Um, then, of course, the tabloid media was dredging up 
personal angles, such as talking about a man who ostensibly rejected her. Um, there was controversy about whether she was going to have a makeover, whether she should have a makeover, whether she did have a makeover. I mean, all of this in the background while she was uh, under the most pressure that she had ever been in on in in her life um, was really. You could see her struggle in each successive performance. So in the first performance, she bowled everyone over, exceeding their expectations because of her physical appearance. Um, the second, perf- and she, she sang the song, I Dreamed a Dream, um, from Les Miserables, and that was so, um, so connected to her life. Because these, if you think about the lyrics and what I was saying about her childhood, um, it really, she was singing her story. And some of the lyrics, the, the most relevant lyrics are, there was a t- it starts out, there was a time when men were kind, and of course that seemed to be before she got taunted by her schoolmates and, and was uh, in her family, you know, being presumably loved by her family. Uh, then it all went wrong. I dreamed a dream in time gone by when hope was high and life worth living. So she dreamed about being considered special and, and being able to sing in, in <laughs> better places than the pubs where she did karaoke. And then the lyrics go, but the tigers come out at night with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hope apart and they turn your dream to shame. And um, which not only reflects the childhood um, teasers, you know, the people who taunted her as a child, but also this then turned out to reflect, I mean, the first time she was singing it, it was just related to her childhood. Uh, but then the second time, you know, the tigers coming out at night had to do with all of the negativity that came out about her. And then the last uh, stanza is, I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living, so different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. So, when you think about it, it's so fascinating because the first time she sang this, her first appearance, um, really she was telling her story to the world. That she, when she started out as an innocent child wanting to sing and, and things in her life crushed her dream. And, but then, of course, you know, she had these standing ovation and it seemed like she was going to reach her dream. Then the second performance, uh, she sang Memory from Cats. And she started out a little wobbly, but um, as the audience, as she could feel the audience behind her clapping and, and their energy behind her, um, her voice got stronger, and, and, and again, she had a really um, standout performance. And when you think about the lyrics from that song, that's from Cats, um, and some significant, it's the same kind of story as she was telling in the first song, um, that her, it, the lyrics, some of the lyrics go, and a rose, see the dew on the sunflower, and a rose that is fading, roses wither away, like the sunflower, I yearn to turn my face to the dawn, I am waiting for the day. So it's telling the story of her, of her life, how she was lo- waiting for the morning, waiting for the day that she could blossom. And then it goes, every street lamp seems to beat a fatalistic warning, and daylight, I must wait for the sunrise. I must think of a new life, and I mustn't give in. When the dawn comes, tonight will be a memory, too, and a new day will begin. 
And then the last stanza, touch me, it's so easy to leave me, all alone with the memory of my days in the sun. If you touch me, you'll understand what happiness is. Look, a new day has begun. So she's really putting herself out there, making herself so, she did from the beginning, make herself so vulnerable, telling everyone her story about her hopes and dreams and, and hoping for the day when she could fulfill her dream to, to have her voice be appreciated by people. Um, you know, I, she wasn't in it for the money. She was just in it for to be able to sing and, and be appreciated, to finally have the kind of uh, life that she was hoping for and, and that she never got to live because of her, you know, taking the responsibility of, of caring for her parents and being a church volunteer. I mean, all her life she was caring for others. And this was her final, this was her chance, her one chance, her final chance. And then the third performance, she sang the same song as the first, I Dreamed a Dream. But as I was saying, this time when she talked about the tigers coming out at night and turning, tear your hope apart, um, she was talking about the people. It had a new meaning. Now it wasn't just the past history of her childhood, but now it was the current history. And the third performance, she wasn't really, you could see her struggling to fight off the demons of, of all this negativity. And uh, she did, on one level, sing better, in a sense, than, than the first time. But, um, but it was clear that she was more troubled, and it was somewhat anticlimactic. Um, and yet, afterwards, the judges, you know, still felt that she should win. I mean, it was still a wonderful performance. And Piers Morgan came out and said she should win, which brought boos from the audience because... Um, you know, I don't think they liked, in fact, he said this was the first time that, that he had ever said that someone uh, should win the competition, and I don't think that the people liked any of the judges telling them who should win. They liked to have the control, and I think that was part of her downfall, too, as was political correctness, voting for diversity. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. Um, you know, political correctness gone too far. And just like Adam Lambert, was the favorite. In American Idol, she was the favorite. So I think there were spoilers who voted for the underdog. And um, and it was, you know, I think that uh, between giving out the wrong telephone numbers, people wanting to rebel against the judges, um, and so on, the, the real, the final vote wasn't really an accurate vote or an accurate measure of talent. And uh, just like with Adam Lambert, and we'll talk about him too, um, certainly I, I really think it was clear that he deserved to win American Idol. I mean, it was clear from the very beginning, and yet uh, he didn't. But for both of them, um, because they now became the underdog, um, it may well help in their ultimate career because people feel that they were robbed, that they each should have won the competitions, and... and um, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I think with American Idol, certainly, perhaps the it shouldn't just be left to the uh, voters to decide. I think perhaps there should be more um, input or a, a heavier weight given to what the judges think. Something there has to be. It, it can't just be a popularity contest, or it can't just be. Um, you know, and of course, there, there and with Adam Lambert, there was also the issue of the telephone, uh, whether the telephone lines were giving an accurate representation, because apparently there were more uh, votes from Alabama for Chris Allen 
then there were then then was possible somehow and of course that's never been addressed either and then we have uh, the fact that there was the anti-gay vote um, as far as the reason for why Adam lost as well so these things really shouldn't come into play but unfortunately in any election they do we'll be back with more when we return You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting reality shows on the couch today. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, if you do have comments about Susan Boyle or reality shows in general, Octomom, John and Kate, Adam Lambert, anything you want to talk about in regard to reality shows, do give me a call, 866-472-5788, 866-472-5788. It's a toll-free call. Getting back to American Idol and Adam Lambert, of course, the news today is that um, he's coming out in the Rolling Stone magazine this week. Not that there was much question, <laughs> but he's officially coming out. And um, he, he, uh, and both he and Susan Boyle apparently are going to be having um, record deals, albums coming out, which is fabulous, I think, and I hope they both do really well. They deserve it. Um, Adam was, that was painful to watch, too. I mean, uh, how you could compare Chris Allen's talent to Adam Lambert's, I, I mean, it, Adam was just, every performance that he put on was an orchestrated uh, show in itself. I and mean, there, there was just, there were, there were so many layers to each of those performances. It was just so much richer than um, what Chris Allen did. But uh, as I was starting to say before the break, I think a lot of the problem was that it wasn't really, and he didn't really try to hide that he was gay. He just didn't officially announce it. Uh, of course, there were pictures that were leaked um, on the Internet, and, and that is what I think probably did him in more than anything else. Um, and unfortunately, there are, there's still a lot of prejudice um, these days, <laughs> and I guess people didn't want to have an American Idol be gay, or at least enough people didn't want that, so that they um, that that contributed to his not win- winning. Um, also, you know, it was clear that Simon and the other judges wanted him to win, um, just like with Susan Boyle. All the judges were obviously, and and um, certainly, it was understandable that they were both that they couldn't contain their enthusiasm for Susan Boyle and for Adam Lambert. Um, and I think that partly the, re- the part of the reason why they didn't win in the end was because um, there was this feeling of rebellion against the judges, wanting to sort of <laughs> not have authority control uh, who wins. But um, regardless, I, I, as I was saying before, I think that, that perhaps this will help them because it makes them more uh, sympathetic or makes people, you know, feel that they want to support them more now or people may have more of a tendency to buy their albums because they didn't win and because that wasn't fair. Um, can, you tell, <laughs> I have, can you tell I have strong opinions on this? Um, get, getting back to Susan Boyle for a minute, you know, there are still going to be ups and downs. I'm still concerned about her mental health, and I was saying before, and I want to emphasize that I think she really does need um, a psychiatrist or a mental health professional to be really close at hand, not just on the phone, but with her as she navigates at least these early months of her career. Because, for example, something came out today uh, about, well, it had come out before that Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher wanted to her to sing at their anniversary. They were going to fly her over and uh, and have her sing at their party. And now it's come out today that they deny having invited her to sing at their anniversary. So, you know, I'm sure she um, 
had heard uh, of the original invitation, whether they actually literally called her or not, and was looking forward to that. And now this is a disappointment. And that's that's just the way it is with any um, star, a singer, an actor, any kind, anyone who gets in the limelight. There are going to be um, big ups and big downs, and you you need to be able to be resilient enough to handle these disappointments and to hope that um, there's going to be something positive coming down the road. And, and it's hard sometimes to keep that optimistic outlook. Um, talking about some other reality stars, um, who I'm sure we're, I'm just going to talk about them briefly because I think we're all sick of them. They have been over, overexposed and, and really... Um, and don't have the likability that Susan Boyle and Adam Lambert have. I mean, going back to Adam, even though it was so clear that he was so much more talented, he was always so humble on the shows when the judges would um, give their opinions after each of his performances. You know, he, he didn't, he wasn't smug, he was humble, he listened to their advice. Um, you know, you could just, he, he just had this very open kind of expression on his face. Um, Whereas um, people like Octomom and John and Kate are, are rather arrogant and, and divas and feel that they, you know, they're superstars and, and uh, don't have this kind of vulnerability. Well, of course, underneath they're vulnerable, but they, they have this um, sort of annoying, <laughs> annoying, annoying outer um, appearance and, and attitude. Um, Octomom, of course, the. You know, she's apparently been given a uh, deal for a, not exactly a reality, well, it's a kind of reality show, a documentary type of reality show where it wouldn't be following her around all the time but would be following her for different milestones in uh, her family's um, evolution, you know, birthdays and so on. And, uh, of course, uh, the latest that I heard was that there wasn't a... um, a channel uh, who um, who was willing to put that on. It was a UK company who offered her this documentary reality show, but I don't know that they've actually sealed a deal for anyone to air it. So I guess that's left to be seen. Of course, if John and Kate uh, self-destruct, which may be happening, um, you know, there might be a, a slot open for for Octomom. You know, those people, it's totally not the same thing as with Susan Boyle and Adam Lambert where people are rooting for them. Um, You know, people are are more looking at Octomom and John and Kate as freak shows that you can't, or accidents that you can't take your eyes off of. Um, For those of you who didn't hear my Octomom show, let me just catch you up by letting you know that um, I filed three uh, complaints against her to Child Protective Services, uh, hoping that they would intervene and take the octuplets away. I started when they were still in the hospital because I wanted them to be given to appropriate, loving, uh, childless families so that each of the octuplets could get the love and attention that they need instead of being part of this 14-child home where Octomom doesn't have the ability to provide enough love and attention to all of them. Um, And John and Kate, okay, what's going on with them? Well, interestingly, uh, they're in their fifth season, interesting, the 100th show, and interestingly, um, John's philandering caused more 
uh, excitement, more people to tune in to the shows than had been because of every, everyone wants to see the train wreck. Everyone wants to see, you know, whether he's going to look guilty or admit that he was having an affair or, or affairs. Um, or whether Kate would admit she's been having an affair with her bodyguard. And, you know, so all of a sudden everybody, you know, is tuning in. Meanwhile, the eight children who are, uh, who didn't choose to be on a reality show, um, are suffering because surely they know that, um, there is this, this, what, this whole, uh, scandal going on about their parents. I mean, the little ones who are five really don't, you know, don't necessarily understand it completely, but, um, the older ones, the eight year olds, I'm sure, get it, and um, they can't help but see magazine covers about uh, mom, mon- mom to monster and, and you know, something about um, uh, John's mistresses and so on. Um, and I think what, what really, what, what's sad is that they, the reality show did uh, destroy their family. I mean, I think if they had never been on a reality show, that John and Kate might well still be in a relatively happy marriage. Um, Maybe they wouldn't have lasted forever, but I believe that they would have uh, lasted longer than this. I think what's happened is that Kate, you know, turned into this diva and took advantage of um, her being on camera to put John down. And John, who was previously, before the reality show, sort of an unassuming kind of guy, um, rebelled against being put down, being made to look like a fool on television, and um, now that he has more self-esteem because of being a media star, took advantage of that, and apparently this woman, uh, their relationship, the woman who, I don't know, I've heard of more than one woman who he is alleged to have had an affair with, but one woman in particular, they met at this bar that he used to go to. Um, while Kate was out of town trying to promote her books, uh, he had lots of time on his hands. I mean, of course, I don't know where who was taking care of. I mean, they have help taking care of the kids, but anyhow, he would oftentimes go to bars uh, near his home. And apparently, this one uh, affair started when they began sending drinks to each other across a crowded bar, and. Um, and according to this lady's brother, uh, John has spent nights over um, there at their house, with the, the house that this woman shares with her brother. And I think he called it psychologically disturbing, uh, making psychologically disturbing sounds, whatever that means. The interviewer asked him what that meant. He wouldn't elaborate. But, um, you know, I don't think they were playing Scrabble. <laughs> So, so that's them, and, and you know who gets the worst of it? The worst of it is um, the poor children who now will probably have parents who soon divorce or in any case tear each other down in the media, and none of this is good. And why are they continuing? Because they want the fame and fortune that continuing to be on this reality show is bringing them. But if they, were really, if they really cared about the well-being of their eight children, they would stop the reality show and uh, get into intensive psychotherapy and try to save their marriage. Oh, well. Next, (laughs) 
We'll continue putting reality shows on the couch, talk about some more disasters when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Son, we got to talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting reality shows on the couch. 
Um, I actually was involved, as many of you already know, with the first and classic tragedy related to uh, a talk show, which was a forerunner to reality shows. Talk shows were forerunners to what we now um, consider reality shows. They were reality shows at the time. And I was the uh, psychiatric expert witness, the defense psychiatrist to Jonathan Schmitz, who was um, talked into by the producers, going lied to by the producers, and talked into going on the Jenny Jones show in 1995. And um, instead of it being a woman, which is what they uh, said that it would be, um, who had a secret crush on him, and John thought it was his fiancée who had broken up with him some months before, uh, it turned out to be the real title of the show was Same Sex Secret Crush, and the person who had a secret crush on him was named Scott Amador. And uh, John, who had mental problems before he ever went on the show, um, he was manic depressive, he had been physically abused by his father, who was an alcoholic, um, he was... He was looked upon by his family as not being man enough because he wasn't a hard-drinking, hard-hunting, military Michigan man like his father and grandfather and great-grandfather were. And so um, he totally came apart psychologically. In fact, um, in reviewing the tapes before I testified, uh, very carefully, you could see him falling apart as the show was progressing. I mean, the shock when he came out and saw that not only was it not his fiance, but it wasn't a woman at all. I mean, there were other women who he thought that maybe it would be. And John wasn't looking for the fame or fortune. Well, there was no fortune connected to it, but he wasn't. He didn't even know who Jenny Jones was. But the people at work um, thought it was cool. And um, they told him to go on. He was working as a waiter at the time, and they encouraged him to go on. And so three days after the show was over, he wound up um, killing Scott, um, shooting him, and um, then calling 911. And he was, um, well, it was a, it's a whole long story that actually I've, written about in a book that I'm almost finished with called Murder by TV. Um, but suffice it to say that um, in the trial, the, the main issues of the trial, of, of the tri he was on trial for first-degree murder, um, the main issues were wh how, what the show did to contribute to his winding up shooting Scott. And, of course, had the show never happened, he never would have shot Scott. In fact, he had been suicidal and made uh, four or five suicide attempts before the show and wasn't really, had never been violent, no police uh, run-ins, no arrests. Um, it was all part of his psychological meltdown um, because of the, the chain of events that the show um, started off. And, and mainly it had to do with feeling as though his family was now going to think that he was gay because this other man had a same-sex secret crush and that he would be rejected by his family because now they would think, you know, well, this is why he wasn't a, enough of a man, um, you know, because he, he was gay all along and, and his family was homophobic, but John wasn't. He had 
uh, he had friends. He even had uh, gay friends sleep over. I mean, there wasn't that issue until the show brought this all, you know, distorted the whole situation. So, and and I testified on his behalf uh, in terms of his um, not being of sound mind of of um, when he when he committed this crime, and uh, because of because of what I was, I mean, I was on the stand for a day, so it's hard to sort of summarize it here, but um, the jury uh, decided that he didn't commit first-degree murder, and they gave him second-degree instead um, because of, of his mental capacity not having been able to form the rational intent to kill, um, as I was able to show. But uh, nonetheless, um, he is still, since that time and to this day, and uh, he is in a prison, which never would have happened had he not been on the Jenny Jones show and not been lied to, which is what happens with a lot of these contestants on talk shows and reality shows, um, because producers are under so much stress to get guests, <laughs> get the guest, um, you know, who have interesting stories and who would make fascinating television. And, of course, the most vulnerable people are the ones who would be most unpredictable, most likely to have a meltdown, and make for the most exciting TV. And, really, they are after the ratings. They are not after what's going to happen to these people after they get off the show. And, you know, on things happen from... Um, you know, once the show is over, they are no longer being treated as celebrities or no longer being catered to and, and are just uh, shoved off, in the case of talk shows, shoved off to the airport, you know, with barely a goodbye. And, um, and on reality shows, such as Survivor or Big Brother and so on, um, really not enough attention is paid to the mental health of the people who um, come on the show. Even Kid Nation, I was involved in a, a, a situation um, where one of the kids um, filed a legal action against the show Kid Nation, which really took advantage of children, putting children out in the desert, um, out in a, a sort of a rough-and-tumble old western town, <laughs> that was falling apart, um, and and really affected psychologically those children. We have yet to hear the end of that. Um, so, really, more responsibility needs to be taken by these shows, and not just to hire people who are going to uh, be yes men for allowing these kinds of people to be on, but really to understand that the price of being thrust into the spotlight. It's a very takes being thrust into the spotlight takes a very heavy psychological toll, and there needs to be a safety net uh, before, during, and after these shows to to make sure that people don't wind up committing suicide, like Paula Goodspeed or lots of other people who have who, who we don't always hear about who have been on these shows. Well, that's it. Reality shows, um, part one, anyhow. Of course, we're going to be returning to this because, because of the economy. Reality shows now are the in thing more than ever because they are cheaper to make than dramas or sitcoms. And so um, this issue of taking responsibility is more important than ever. Well, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.